welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach podcast. I am on today in an emergency podcast with Pistol. I'll, I'll say my hellos first. Hello, mate. Hey, <laughs> JB, I wish we could be talking in uh, better circumstances, but it's pretty much all panic right now. So, um, so many things flying through my head. I hope uh, you're, you're coping a little bit better than I am. I guarantee you I'm not. I'm actually genuinely very stressed right now. There's a lot happening. Supercoach has, has dropped a, a couple of bombs. AFL's dropped a couple of bombs. We have so much on our plates right now. So many new theories, so many new tactics to talk about. Before I get into that, I'm going to go through the Patreons who have signed up since the p- podcast before last, considering we forgot it last podcast. Sorry, guys. Uh, so we'll start off with Nathan Harris. We've got Dan Barr, John Edlick, Ryan Harper, Lockie Young, just Blue. You're my boy, Blue. Love that. Great movie. Matthew Shower. No, no. What, did you not laugh at that? Okay. Troy Jones, Chad, Rob Hull, Mick Thomas, Kyle Chandler, Philip Siggs, Emily Chalice, Prime, just Prime, wow, okay, Lachlan, oh, I'd see if that was an I, Morelli, Adam Watson, and then just Adam, these are tough to pronounce, I don't know how Cheezo does it, Tim Jones, Travis Carey, oh, what is that, Alec, Alex, uh, you, yeah, I, yeah, okay, for it. Brad Phillips, <laughs> Michael Rubino, Kane, Chris Wright, Braden, Centrelink Recruits. Is that the whole of Centrelink? Okay. Wade Miles, John Court, Ryan Noble, Kurtley Flack, Braden Spear, Andrew Hammond, Lickety Slurp, Liam Wright, Des Jordan, Josh Barnes, M Rocket, Hayden Cribben Rig, Richard Callis, Sam Morgan, Zachary Pierce, and finally. The easiest name to pronounce is Anthony Giarusso. Good job, JB. I think you only need to donate about 50 out of the 56-ish names you've read out. So um, I'm almost certain job. I got Des incorrect. It might be Des. My bad. <laughs> um, so thank you very much to the new Patreons. We really appreciate it. Um, a lot of new faces in there in the last couple of weeks. Um, Literally, the the place is buzzing in. I've, I, th- I think I've got, had like a hundred messages on my phone since since we started the podcast, and that's like two and a half minutes. So, without further ado, we're going to get straight into it. Uh, we we have a lot to talk about, a lot of tactics to discuss. Pistol, I'm going to start off with the main discussion point for the entire podcast. There might be the full thirty minutes just on this one point alone. And that is that Supercoach today announced that there is not enough time to change too much about their game. They're going to keep 30 trades for season 2020 despite us going down to just 17 rounds of football starting from tomorrow if it's uploaded tonight and today if you're listening uh, before the, the round one game of Richmond versus Carlton. So 30 trades, 17 rounds. Now, you would think this isn't a huge implication. Essentially, it just gives us a little bit more breathing room, but there are a lot of tactics that go into this. I'm going to start us off, Pistol, and just say, to me, on face value, I see people like Josh Kelly, I see people like Nat Fife, people that I was opposed to just a couple of weeks ago due to their durability. I now see them with the 17-round season and the full 30 trades as players that are almost must-start just due to their ceiling and the fact that, worst-case scenario, if they get injured in round eight for three weeks, you can just trade them out with almost no detriment to your team. I want to actually like lay out all of the rule changes because my 
pros and cons are going to use use combos of all of them. So um, another one was that the the season's games have been shortened to 16 minutes plus time on. Um, So obviously a large change from previous years. Uh, When I think about it logically, this is a guess, nothing confirmed. I, I just think, well, why would they change it? Probably so that they can recover quicker, so that they can, if needed, be like do lots of fixtures um, at short notice. I should say that they said that they will talk about the fixture and the schedule um, only on the weekend. So we're going to pretty much go into round one blind, where we don't actually know what the tactics will be for the season. Obviously, with what you just said, makes perfect sense to me if the games are like one game a week by picking players that are less durable um, because then, you know, they've got less time and they're probably going to heal up better, blah, 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 blah. Um, but if they're playing multiple games a week, then durability becomes an issue kind of again. I think it loops back around um, just because you're getting someone who's more injury prone and you're playing them with shorter recovery times between each game. So to me, it feels like they have a higher chance of getting injured again, but you also have the trades to get rid of them. So it's like a catch-22 um, with a pro and con there, JB. The last rule change that they did confirm was prices will change now after only two rounds instead of three rounds. So even if a rookie debuts in round 10, they only need to play uh, two games to have a change in price. So now the bubble, as they're called, rookies on the bubble, is just after one game. Okay, so we'll unpack these as you said, it's probably best to do it more as a whole than anything because sometimes multiple rules implicate multiple strategies. Now, to start off with, with going back to my comments about Fife and Josh Kelly and in response to your answer, which was that if they do play multiple games per week, it does actually have stronger implications than what we might have thought if if it was just 17 rounds over 17 weeks. Um, obviously, the no buys is also a rule that we spoke about yesterday that we knew was already confirmed. Um, so that is a factor as well. They won't be having a week off at any point during the season. It'll just be go from, from 1 to 17. Now, I just for players like Fife, I don't think... I mean, he doesn't get rested during the season as it is. Uh, he, if he's injured, he's injured and he doesn't play. Uh, I mean, he played through a broken leg for Fremantle just a couple of seasons ago. Um, it only took a concussion last season to, to put him out for a week and, and then he returned. So these... I mean, I just... With someone like Nat Fife, I can see him just playing every game that he's fit for, regardless of the of a short turnaround. Someone like Josh Kelly might be a little bit different in that instance because GWS tend to rest their players a little bit more or err on the side of, of caution with their players a little bit more. Obviously, they're in for a flag hunt this season. So it is personnel-based, but I think it's most important to note that there's a big difference between picking durable players or players who aren't durable in the midfield at your uber premium slots where if they get an injury you can just trade them down to any other uber premium essentially versus trading or starting someone like Doherty or uh, Dylan Robertson for example whom are much awkward much more awkward price ranges and can be difficult to maneuver to other players who could potentially give the same output not to mention the fact that neither of those players are, are certain to make top six for their position, in fact, one of them is even unlikely. So, um, I think it's important to know which risks to take on the the durable players or the lack thereof. I think that's pretty wise. I feel like I'm picking kind of like in an FPL uh, fantasy Premier League model, where I'm picking more about a price point rather than specifically about the player. Um, I guess that's that's really high level. Um, 
I do agree it's less risk picking a Josh Kelly where you can trade him to any player you want compared to like a Doherty where you kind of have to go down unless you have money in the bank to go up, which might put you in uh, awkward positions throughout the season. I do want to just say, though, for this podcast in general, like most of this is hypothetical. This is all unprecedented. We don't really know what the effect will be. Um, so we're just going to use our best judgment but we could be completely off and you may have your own ideas and they may be better than these ideas so uh, I definitely would suggest still backing your gut and if you feel like this will have no impact to the game and no change then definitely don't change your side trying to predict what the AFL is going to do um, because I feel like that's got potential to just go really south very quickly I mean the 30 the thirty trades definitely has an impact on people's strategies but um, not to the point where you need to be resetting your team and getting all mid prices like we spoke about on yesterday's podcast. It's, it's I never not that have deep. trades after round seventeen, Jay. I use up all my trades before round seventeen every season anyway, so I feel like for me it's no change. Okay, so um <laughs> we kind of spoke about this pre podcast and the the people that are saying that essentially if you get through round one, for example, or any round in the first five where you feel comfortable with your team and you're waiting for those rookies to mature and uh, waiting for your premiums to you know, get injured or whatever it is that you're sitting on your trades. All it takes is one week to sit on those trades and all of a sudden you only have two trades that are unable to be you know, used per week, one week of the season. I could not have said that worse, but essentially if you have just one week off of trading or two weeks where you only make one of your trades, which does happen quite a lot actually, um, then you've really only got up until round 17 itself, the grand final week, in which you'd run out of trades if you used two per week every other week. So it's a lot different to seasons past where if you run out of trades by round 17, you're holding you know, holding your breath, crossing your fingers for five weeks before you know, you, you realize whether you've dodged all the injuries or not. In this instance, you literally just need to stockpile a trade on four different occasions or as little as two different occasions for you to... You know, get all the way through the grand final using two trades a week. So. Yeah, but I feel like that's easier said than done, JB, because now, remember, prices change after just two weeks. So now we have players on the bubble after one round. So you're going to tell me at the end of round one, you love your team, you see people on the bubble after one week, and you're not like, uh, maybe I made some mistake, I should just fix it. Like I feel like you're like, yeah, I've got 30 trades, I'm not going to hold it unnecessarily. I, f- I still think people are just going to go guns a-blazing. Um, and trade mostly every week and maybe the only reason that they don't make a trade like don't make both trades in a week early is just because they can't afford the player that they want to get um, rather than like purposely holding off early uh, yeah it's especially because it might happen multiple times a year where you just priced out of the player you want so you wait one more week but the thing is like if that happens three four five if that happens five times a season you can't afford that anymore because then you'll have trades left over at the end of the year. So you kind of need to make maybe, your move when it's present. Maybe, but again, I'll, I'll count out your counter and, and say... Um, <laughs> We've argued this entire podcast on all of the it's points. It's good. I mean, this is this is what the people need to hear because at the moment, I'm still weighing up the, the strategies in my own head because it's just... Supercoach in itself has been flipped upside down and, and it's wild, but... Um, I've just thought about this. Now, each year we have the buy rounds in which we can use three trades per week. Now, I don't know about you, but the buy rounds being so important in every other year, I generally do use my three trades per week and still make it to about round 17 or 18. We don't even have that this year. So we're, we're down to two trades a week every single week. I find it difficult to believe that 
even if you do use two trades a week every single week, that your team won't be at a stage in the prelim and grand final that you can get through without having to, you know, stockpile a bunch of trades for them. So, um, I mean, two trades in your grand final, I don't know how many times you've had trades by the end of the season. I did last year, and I traded out Matt Crouch and uh, someone else. I can't even remember who it was. Got Dan Houston in and uh, got Dustin Martin in and lost points for that week just because I had two trades sitting there. Like, you, you just feel obliged to use them. So I, I don't I don't think people are going to be running out of trades and struggling to make moves at any point this season. And that's why starting someone like Josh Kelly or, you know, it being going in with no ruck cover, this is another potential tactic. Going in with no ruck cover, if Max Gorn gets injured for a game or two weeks or three weeks, trading down to Riley O'Brien Brian, and keeping that cash means you can literally just trade back up to Gorn in a couple of weeks' time. And I know that might seem wasteful to some people, using two trades just on that one position, but you're essentially getting, you're maximizing your points. You're not starting someone like Segler who won't be top six in, in his position and taking up a spot on your field. And you're essentially just using two of these trades that I think we're just going to have a surplus of this year. That was a really good point about the buys. You didn't let me have a uh, breathing room Sorry, to you can rebuttal say, that first actually, that's a very, very good point. Um, using, you know, be, not being able to use three during those rounds. Um, regarding the Gorn idea, I don't mind it. Um, I think that's a good counter to people that want to use Segler. However, I will argue two things, and that's one, a shorter time of games might mean, I don't know, the impact might mean that players like midfielders and ruckmen that are more around the ball uh, might be the ones that have a scoring increase because at the end of the day, the scores are scaled, right? So um, there's going to be less possessions during the game because there's less time. So all of those are going to be weighted more heavily. So I feel like if you're around the contest more, you have a higher chance of having larger scores. So I feel like someone like Segler, who's a ruckman, um, his scoring is at risk. I guess there's a risk risk is the wrong word, um, of him having even higher scores this year. So that's kind of what I would counter that with. And secondly, um, prices changing after two rounds definitely, at least in my opinion, might open the door for Naismith being even on your bench, which I hate saying out loud because I usually would hate that. But, you know, if if there are going to be multiple games per week, I don't mind having playing cover, especially that he's going to go up in price after round two instead of waiting till round three um, so you can make some money out of it. And then obviously there's more trades as well. So uh, it's it kind of feels okay to be able to just like waste a trade. I'm, I'm doing like quotation marks with my fingers, um, downgrading him to a, a rookie uh, to, to bank that cash because we have that extra trade. Um, so I feel like that is now potentially going to be a viable strategy as well, JB. Okay, I'll counter both of those <laughs> as I've been doing all podcast. Um, firstly, I would I would be all for that with Naismith if he wasn't the least durable player ever and uh, probably the one that is pro- most in danger if there's two games in a week, maybe even in the AFL of not playing in one of those games. So I don't think he will provide the best cover and with that plus one week that he gets early on, I just I just think that will come back later on and, and he'll be on par with if you you know if you had three round rolling average anyway so um, just my opinion on Naismith personally I, I know not everyone agrees he, he's going to come out fit and firing and healthy and all that this season um, according to a lot of people so if that's how you feel then definitely it's a it's a potential strategy 
Uh, on your first point, the um, the Segler may be increasing his points per game. When when you were explaining this, I actually didn't know who you were arguing for uh, until you said Segler's name. So uh, if I'm starting any Ruckman who uh, might get more points for doing good things when the game's on the line, it's definitely not going to be Segler. It's probably <laughs> going to be Gorn, to be honest. And if we put a plus 10% increase on every Ruckman, then Gorn goes up 14 points and, and Segler doesn't go up 14 points. He goes up about 8. So... Um, I'm definitely jumping on the man who actually has had plenty of clutch moments in the AFL already in his career. And uh, if he does so even a shorter amount this year, then he's he's going to be... I mean, are we, are we now arguing that Gorn is potentially underpriced, Pistol? I mean, potentially, if you think that it's gonna he's going to be durable and, and play every game, then I think he has potential to absolutely explode in terms of his scoring potential. But I also feel like that's a good argument you just gave for Naismith again. Like, if, if they're going to get 10% more, he's still priced really cheap. True. No, so if true. he's going to score more, he's going to make a lot of money really quickly as well. So My issue is only his durability. It's never really been his scoring potential. So Yeah. Uh, and, uh, there's, and with more trades, I feel like it's safer as well. So I, I don't know is the situation. I kind of want all of them, but also none of them. So it's just <laughs> everywhere. I, I kind of want Riley O'Brien because... He's such a good runner. I don't think he's going to be rested in any game. I think he'll just play like nearly every minute of every game for the whole season because uh, he's capable of doing that. Um, there, are, there are only two players that I would think about putting money on playing 17 games this season and averaging 90% time on the ground, and that's O'Brien and Grundy. Uh, those two players, their running capacity and uh, their durability just are absolutely top tier and... Yeah, if I was starting anyone other than Gorn, I think it'd be Riley. So people have been shouting about starting um, Nick Nat because they think, well, he has low time on ground, so just naturally he'll play the, the same amount of minutes in a shorter game, and his points per minute is off out of this world. And with this potential increase to Ruckman that we're theorizing, Nick Nat could be somebody that scores absolutely insanely well. But then I just think about if they play multiple games per week, Nick Nat is the last person I would want in my side because he's surely not going to play every game, right? Yeah, I, he, I'd be very surprised if he got you know 14 games out this year. I think but, that'd, that'd be a big surprise. I oh, know, it's crazy then you to just say because trade him. Like The thing is, we've got it. trades to just get rid of him. But if he, he's even, if he, even if he does play and doesn't get injured... He might still play sixty percent of what is now the time on ground, because you know they've set it in. Maybe this just means that he gets more rest and West Coast are happier, and he still has the same impact as what they thought he was going to have during the season. Uh, this, you know, potentially means that he just plays sixty percent with the lower time on, or with the lower quarters, and it works out to be the exact same as if he wasn't anywhere. I mean, I, I understand the trade argument. Because now that we've got more trades, if he gets injured, blah, blah, blah. But it's it's really hard to get him up to Max Gorn. And then starting him and then using a trade to get into O'Brien and then you know potentially using another trade if Max Gorn's going crazy later on, it just it dispels too much danger for me, even with uh, a lot more trades this year. So, so what about someone like... So what's running through my head? I'm like going through all the Ruckman. And now I'm thinking Sam Jacobs because people have been trying to start him at this cheap price. But they still have Mumford on his list. And I know everyone's like, oh, Jacobs is going to play ahead of Mumford. And I don't disagree. I just think that if there's a game on a Saturday and a game on a Wednesday and a game on the next Saturday, like Mumford's going to take that middle game, right? 
Absolutely, yeah. You, that is the most logical thing, and, and I can't believe people are. You know, I've seen more comments about Jacob's post. You know, the round, the seventeen rounds thing than I did prior to it. And uh, you know, if you've got two really aging ruckmen on your list, and you know that you have to play a few games in quick succession, or even if you don't, um, Mumford's more than capable of filling in for a game against someone with a lesser ruckman, and I assume he'll do that several times throughout the season. They've you know, they've got no reason not to keep Sam Jacobs as fresh as possible for the finals because that's when they're going to really want to use him every game. Oh, my gosh. My head is spinning at all of these possibilities. So can I just say to the community that's listening right now, we are genuinely... The, these rule changes are very new to us as well and we're both trying to wrap our heads around them at the same time and um, we're pretty much just podcasting our rawest thoughts on the changes just so we can get this out as quickly as possible. Now... Um, I think we've spoken about a lot of interesting tactics, uh, Pistol. I'm seeing a lot of people um, discuss the rookies and the difference between the rookies and them raising in price quickly compared to mid-prices and uh, getting the scores on field and also the quick price rises. Um, What are your thoughts of people going more mid-price because of this uh, 30 trade, uh, higher, uh, quicker price movement thing? I, in my mind, it's the other way. It's like you should be doing guns yeah, and rookies 100%. because you have more trades. So when a rookie that now only needs to play two games to rise in price, when they get dropped, you can just be ruthless and just cut them to another person that's on the bubble. And you can keep doing that and build up funds much more quickly to upgrade those rookies on your field to premiums more quickly. I feel like you're going to get more points that way just by doing quick hack and slashing and building up your bank than by making everybody a mid-pricer and just like culling the ones that are bad and keeping the ones that are good because at the end of the day, I'm going to end up with one team of like kind of good premiums and another team with like the best of the best premiums. Uh, am I thinking about this differently than you? No, I agree. And that's why when I see the people talking about more mid-price madness, we said it on yesterday's podcast before we knew about this 30 trade 17 round thing. And that's that. It just feels like the absolute opposite. I don't know where people are getting the full mid-price madness f- from. And um, in my opinion, yeah, you, if you just if you start more guns and rookie strategy with some mid-prices, obviously there are some really obvious ones that could do really well this season. Um, but it just to me, it just spells that you know you, those people are going to get caught out with a lot of mid-prices. Some of them, some of whom won't succeed. You'll be trading them down. Are you trading them down to a rookie? You know, then you're compromising your points anyway. Um, you've probably lost a price rise or two on whoever you're trading them to. It's just that they're, they're too volatile, the mid-prices. And, you know, if, if someone... You're not going to want to trade someone after round one. For example, what if you start Andrew Brayshaw and he scores, you know, 60 in round one, all of a sudden he's going to drop 20K next round. But you have to keep him, you, you know. You've done your research, you back him in, so he plays another two or three games for you. And then all of a sudden he's down 40K, all the other rookies have already started and they're already off. You can't trade them down to there and... You know, you've got every forward mid-prices, so what are you going to do now? Like it's, To me, it just seems like more dangerous starting all the mid-prices than it does just going more towards the boring guns and rookies. I think what inevitably will happen is people jump on players after the first price rise because they just wanted to make sure that someone's got good job security. And then you're making less money because you're paying more for a rookie with more job security. Um, so there could be less money to be made as well. I've, I've kind of taken out mid-prices in my side to get more higher-end players because I feel like the, the top-end players and the midfielders particularly are ones that are going to get more of the ball and in that shorter time period, they're going to get a larger slice of that 
3,300 Supercoach Pi. So I've gone the complete opposite way and like cut out as many mid-prices as I possibly can in my side and just stacked it with as many guns as I side. So I'm going full guns and rookies um, at this stage. Yeah, I, I agree. And my squad is looking uh, pretty pretty well similar. So not entirely full guns and rookies. I think I do have someone like Petrarca in there, but essentially I'm picking players that are going to be top in their position or I'm not really bothering with them at all. So oh, this is interesting. Pistol, do you have anything else off the top of your head that you think uh, hasn't been spoken about or could be an interesting tactic that people aren't really looking at or... I, I just I, I want to float an idea that I don't know if it has any merit behind it whatsoever. I'm completely just talking out there. I love this. I'm wondering if the price rises and price falls are not going to be as significant as usual seasons to make up for the fact that they're changing more quickly. So, for example, um, we see players instead of like going up 25, 30k in a week. And sometimes, you know, they can go up 50K. They instead go up like 10K and like 15K. And it's like a, a slower price rise. Um, I'm not really sure. I haven't thought this through at all. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm just something that I'm thinking about that maybe um, then you're stuck with rookies for longer because they're going up more slowly. But I don't really know. So literally just guessing at this point, JB. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, and we don't know if there's going to be multiple matches in a week. We we don't know a lot about what's happening, and I think the essentially to break this down as best as I possibly can, 17 rounds and 30 trades should not happen. It would not have happened if this was announced a week ago. That would have reduced the trades and done what they could to make it a more even and more difficult season. Because due to the, the fact that it's happening all within 24 hours of the, the game, the first round starting... There's just not enough time to change it. So we've kind of got ourselves a a half uh, super coach where you know half as it should be. You know they've changed the price things, which you know is good. We've got 17 rounds, we've got no buys, all that is good. And then we've got half of the old super coach with the you know the 30 trades, everyone being priced as they are. I doubt the pricing would have been like this if um, if they knew that it was just going to be a 17 game season. So I think a lot of things would have changed. But you know we're kind of here in the middle end. We've got a season which, you know, with no buys, with 30 trades, um, all that hoo-ha, it's essentially going to be an easier year. So with that said, I think we can just sort of relax a little bit more, pick some fun players. Um, I personally am going to go after players with really, really high ceilings like Josh Kelly and Fife and players that I probably wouldn't have started if the season was um, a normal boring season as it was looking like it was going to be. Um, and, you know, if those players fail, I'm going to have fun in, you know, trading them out straight away and, if other if rookies fail, I'm going to have fun in trading them out straight away as well. You know, we always talk about rage trading, and now it'll probably be more prevalent this year than ever because we kind of can. And it's just one of those seasons where it's there will there probably would never I could say confidently there would never be another season like this. So um, essentially, it's a it's a chance to have a bit of fun with the game. Um, I know people will still take it super serious. Like I mean, you and I are obviously still going to take it super seriously. And the way we look at it is winning is having fun. So you, you don't want to go too crazy and too far off the deep end. But um, you can make a couple of groovy picks. And if it doesn't work out for the first couple of rounds, it's really it's far less detriment than what it would have been if it was you know a groovy pick during the season when we had 30 trades in 22 rounds or 22 trades in 17 rounds or whatever it would have been, Pistol. So I see it as a bit of an opportunity to have a little bit more fun with a, a game that's going to be probably more dynamic than we've ever seen it before. And... 
I think I speak on behalf of everyone when I say I'm just glad that we're going to see some footy this year. Oh my gosh. I have no idea what I'm doing with my side. I feel so uncomfortable <laughs> about everything, JB. I, I, I'm trying to run through my, my mind. I'm like, okay, if there's shorter time on ground, is the game going to be played in like an exact replica, but just like in proportion to what a normal game would be like? Is there going to be the same amount of forward and back ball as well as like middle ball? Uh, are people not going to tire at the end of quarters and there's going to be like less goal scoring opportunities? Is the ball going to be in dispute more in the middle? Are they going to tackle each other more? Is it going to be like all midfield focus and less in the forwards and backs? And I'm speaking a million million words per second going through my mind about all these different combinations and not knowing is what's driving me absolutely insane and not even be able to see a practice match at least with the kickouts I could see a practice match for this going in completely blind is absolutely terrifying <laughs> yeah and that that is where everyone's mindset essentially is right now it is panic stations and the fact that we have absolutely no inkling whatsoever as to what AFL is going to do if they if it does come down to two games in one week or three games in two weeks We've got no idea if it's going to happen, if it's a possibility, or if it's going to happen every single week. And that essentially changes everything. And we have no data on the 16-minute quarters. We have no data on almost anything that we're looking at right now. So if you don't do well this season, you have every excuse under the sun as to why you didn't do well this season because we are all guessing and we're all making educated guesses as to what might happen, but essentially no one has any idea. Any podcast that you listen to today that says that they've got it all down-packed and this is a surefire strategy and do this to win, they, they are literally guessing as much as anyone else because there's not there's not a method to this because we've never experienced this. And that's why I think it's an opportunity to have just a little bit more fun and you know, have a play around. If you want to start humor cluggage, start humor cluggage and you know that, yeah. that, that sort of... That's, that's the vibe that I'm trying to give off at the moment, Pistol. <laughs> I just like zoned out for most of what you said and in my mind it's like if I start Riley O'Brien and then the games are just once per week and Gorn has most of the minutes and he scores even more I'm just going to lose maybe that's too risky you know what I'll start Gorn but wait if they do play multiple games per week and he gets rested that will be bad I can get a jump on everybody maybe I'll start Riley O'Brien and I'm just in this like constant loop of my thoughts on what I should do about my Ruckman I'm pretty sure by this time tomorrow I will be like completely have, having to check into some sort of mental asylum okay well before you override your <laughs> software I think I'm going to have to call an end to the podcast um, do you have any closing statements besides what you rabbled on just then yeah so if is Riley O'Brien going to play every minute of every game and then if Gorn is rested okay, okay. and some of the <laughs> part of the game <laughs> All right, I'm cutting you off. Uh, you've had too many to drink. <laughs> um, this is completely fried fried my circuits at the moment. Um, I'm looking forward to it, though. I, I want to know all the answers. Um, I don't know if I'll like the answers, but I want to know them, JB. <laughs> this will be the most interesting season that we've had today and probably the most interesting end-of-season review podcast that we've ever had as well. So I look forward to the journey with everyone. Uh, we're going to do our best to keep up to date with all the changes and what they might mean. Uh, as you know, obviously we're going to be back next week as soon as the first round wraps up to discuss all the players, all the trades. Uh, I mean, you could trade freely now considering there's 30 of them. So um, it's going to be a fun season. It's going to be a quick fire season. Can't wait to get into it with you, Pistol. And thank you everyone for listening. I hope we were of some help, even though we were rambling like madmen for half of it. Um, just good luck everyone for the season ahead. 
And uh, if you would like to ask us any last-minute questions, don't forget to follow us. Uh, you can follow the page at Dr. Underscore SC. You can find each one of us at uh, Pistol Underscore DRSC, JB at JB Underscore DRSC, and Chizo at Chizo Underscore DRSC. Okay, bye.